say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time to own the Audi you've always wanted. Because until February 28th, you can enjoy the Audi A4 with a complimentary style pack, saving you over €4,500. So, all you have to do is choose the color. Call into your local Audi dealer during the 191 sales event. Terms and conditions apply while stocks last. Blog Talk Radio. Sunday, Sunday Night Fantasy Baseball Live, or whatever the heck we call the show. I think it's Fantasy Baseball Live. I'm here, as always, with the great Tim McLeod. Tim, how are you doing? Hey, Rich. I am doing just great. But, you know, a couple things this week have miffed me a little bit. Okay. What are they? Well, ESPN. They did it to us again, believe it or not. If you're playing an ESPN Weekly League, you had to set your lineups uh, the Sunday before the All-Star break, and they ran for two whole weeks. They allowed waiver wire pickups on the week in between, but you couldn't change your lineup. So I sat with like three dead spots in a weekly league. So ESPN, nah, not getting my vote this week. And the other one is the Hall of Fame, shortening it to 10 years. Are they trying to, you know, what are they trying to do to my poor Tim Raines? I'm not, uh, I'm not real happy about that. Was there, I, I just heard the news. I didn't actually hear the details of that, Tim. Does, is it everybody grandfathered in, or if you are – I'm assuming if you're already over 10 years, then they're going to give you to 15, so if somebody's got 11 right. or 12, or do, do they cut you off? No, they're grandfathering them in. There's, I think, three names that are grandfathered in if you're over the 10-year threshold, but if you are under – you're hooped. So Tim Raines, I think, has now gone seven or eight. So he's got one or two years left on the ballot. And there's guys with 11 years, 12 years, that still have two or three left. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they'd be better off if they turned some of the voting over to people that aren't doing the uh, editorial work at Home and Garden. I agree, uh, uh, Timmy. But don't you think that it should really be like three years. I mean, uh, the guys should be able to get in. They should just vote. If you're, if you're a Hall of Fame guy in the first year, you're a Hall of Fame guy on the 15th year. I mean, why not 
just let the guys in who deserve to get in and say, almost like one, one year in and one year, I give them maybe two or three years so people can negotiate, but 10 years still seems like excessive to me. Well, it, it does, uh, unless you're in a situation where you've got, you know, four superstars coming up four years in a row or something along those lines. But, yeah, no, I think it should be a lot shorter process. And uh, I, I'm pretty well, uh, until, a, uh, until uh, Marvin Miller's enshrined, I've pretty well given up on the Hall of Fame for the most part. Don't you think, Tim, that this is really, instead of being called the 10-year writer, should just be called the Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds writer? Because the, those are the two guys they're trying to keep out. They don't want to have an, another 13 years to, to vote on those guys. They, they want to get it over as soon as possible. Yeah, but isn't the mandate of the Hall of Fame to preserve the history of our great game? And those years aren't going away. I don't care whether they reduce it to five years, three years, whatever. I, I agree with what you're saying, that I think that's, that's one of the motives behind this whole thing, is to, is to uh, you know, uh, remove those, the potential for those guys getting in. But you know what? That's still part of the history of our game, along with so many other things. And I just can't see how you're going to completely eliminate one whole mm. era of baseball. Yeah, I think people forget, uh, Tim, that the Hall of Fame, and I, I'm embarrassed to say I've actually never been, and that's one of the things I'm going to try to do over the next year or two is to get up there. It's not that far away. It's like an hour, hour and a half from my house. I've just never been. Mm. And it's it's a museum, Tim. When you go right. to see World War II history, you know, they, they don't eliminate parts of World War II history because, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's ugly. It's something that you don't mm. want to talk about. It's history. It happened. PEDs happen, and like, people just got to get over it. Well, I totally agree. And you know what? Uh, <laughs> Roger Clemens deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's got the numbers to support it. And I don't care if you want to put asterisks like they've done in some situations. I, even putting asterisks makes no sense to me. If a person can am amass the numbers that he did and Barry Bonds did, they deserve that recognition. Those numbers happened uh, on a baseball field. They're on box scores. They're part of the history of our game. I can't agree with you more, Tim. And uh, did you see any of the uh, any of the Hall of Fame in, in, in inductions today? I did not see any. I just saw a few clips on television. No, I, I didn't. I I'm divorcing myself totally of that whole situation until some things change. Unfortunately, it, it's just a stand that I've decided to take. But uh, you know, the players that were indicted to, inducted today indicted indicted <laughs> inducted today. <laughs> Freudian slip happening here. <laughs> Clemens wasn't on the ballot, or wasn't wasn't knocking on the door today. But uh, no, they were all very very worthy uh, candidates. I thought, you know, you, Frank Thomas, and you know, what can you say about Maddox, one of the greatest pitchers of all time? I got to tell you, the only th only interviews I really heard, not interview speeches I heard, I, I got to tell you, Joe Torre was elegant. I mean, it's just, uh, boy, he's really learned how to speak very, very well in public. And uh, not that the other guys didn't do a great job, and, and Frank Thomas was somewhat emotional when he did his, but Joe Torre was, he just nailed it, man. I mean, he was very, you know, very deep in ter terms of the game and the greatness of the game, and I, I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I have a hunch that the transition from being a catcher in the Cards organization to being the leader of 
a team in the biggest media market in the world probably had a bearing on that. (laughs) Just a little bit, Timmy, just a little bit. So uh, I know that uh, your teams are doing well. You are uh, just like a hair away in Tout Wars. And just so everybody knows, Tout Wars is the Hmm. elite of the elite competition. You're playing in the Mixed Draft League. You're three or four points out of first place, sitting in second place. And it's all about wins, Tim. And you got another one from my good buddy, Jacob DeGroom. That was two wins he got you this week. Well, you know what? I, I, went, I went all in this week, and I, I, started, uh, I started Nilsen for two, and I started DeGroom for two. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happier than a pig in manure, Rich. Uh, everything worked out just about as good as it possibly could. I also started Phelps. Uh, I've, uh, you know... If if my pitchers can get a little bit of support, like Wheeler pitched a gem, but again, a no decision. Uh, like you said, it's it's all about the wins and trying to find some uh, a little bit more offense because Cargo has been annoying me to no end. Tim, he's been brutal. I mean, I, I've gotten a lot of people because we get emails and and tweets all day long, and it's just. I mean, we miss Cargo. I mean, it's just flat out. We we both thought he would be the third best player off the board, and talent wise, he's the third best player off the board. But at some point, Tim, Cargo and Tulu, you have to say those guys are just tough to own. Now Tulu is hurt. It took you know uh, two thirds of the season to get them, but now he's hurt. Well, yeah, he's hurt, uh, and Cargo's hurt as well. He turned his ankle. He hasn't played the past two games, so uh, I'm, I'm waiting for some news to see whether or not in weekly leagues I wheel him out this week, but we haven't really heard all that much so far. But, no, it, it's tough owning those guys. You know, in, in hindsight, I, I should have went with boring, safe old Andrew McCutcheon. Same here, Tim. Absolutely same here. I've got him in my uh, NFBC league, and I've lost everybody in that league. I've lost E5. I've lost Justin Morneau. I've lost uh, 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 Brett Laurie. I'm, 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 I mean, Cargo's the only guy I've got coming in until those guys come back. And I was sitting in first place, and I dropped down to, like, third place, and I have no offense. None. I have zero offense ex- except for Jose Altuve, who's turning into a top 10 fantasy baseball player before a home run and stolen base at Tim. I mean, come on, Jose Altuve, really? Yeah, I, I know. It, it, it's, <laughs> a, it's amazing, Rich. Uh, that team of Marcuses that uh, I took over, I'm running, Marcus, Marcus drafted Altu- Altuve. And, you know, you look at the stolen base, the run production, the batting average, uh, yeah, he's he's leading that squad of uh, Marcuses, and uh, he's, I, I, I have a feeling that if you look at many a team in first, second, third, they're going to have Jose Altuve on their roster. It's ridiculous, Tim. I know when I first brought him to the fantasy world four years ago, five years ago, when no one even knew how to spell his name, and I thought he'd be—I thought it was more of a lark, Tim. He was five foot four. I love the yeah. bat speed and his ability to hit. I had no idea he'd be the best second baseman in fantasy baseball. It is absolutely crazy. Well, yeah, you know, what it did for me the first year was it just generated a whole bunch of short jokes. But, I mean, the, <laughs> the joke is now on me because uh, he's a real player and he uses a real, a real bat at that. Uh, uh, like I said, the, the future is looking very, very bright for Jose Altuve. And back to Jacob DeGroom, uh, Tim, I've I got to tell you, man, I've I watched a number of his starts being in New York market, just flip on the television right. and watch the other games on my computer, but he looks really good. I mean, he's thin, he's still got some projectability, I think, and, man, the stuff is really playing up, and he's actually got a little bit more command than he did, you know, even last year when I saw him and said, I, I think this guy could be a player, but I'm, I'm still not sure on the command. He's actually starting to throw the ball really well. 
Well, yeah, and he's not making he's not making a whole lot of mistakes. Uh, uh, I I am really really glad that uh, you know when Montero and DeGroom they both came up at the same time, and I, I'm glad that I spent my uh, my ten cents on DeGroom because it is it's panned out absolutely wonderful. Because it's funny because we talked about that Tim and it was like Montero or DeGroom. I mean, Montero was the better pitcher, but he also went for the most amount of money. We both said go for DeGroom because they're both kind of wild cards. And why go all in on Montero, who I still think is going to be okay? And you could, you could, everybody got DeGroom for a buck, and you had to probably pay, yeah. you know, in a thousand dollar fab, you probably had to pay a hundred and fifty dollars for Montero. And Montero lasted about three weeks. Yeah, and you've got the 150 bucks worth out of uh, out of DeGroom. Uh, the other thing that I, I was real happy to see this week is Nielsen has uh, got over that first game jitters, and he's looking like the real deal. And it's nice to see because after that rough first start, there were there were a slew of questions running around, like what do we do with this guy? And uh, it's nice to see he's pitching well. Yeah, I had him, and we talked a few weeks ago in terms of the the young kids coming up. He was at the top of my my pitching list, even above Andrew Heaney, because I I just thought Nelson was able to conquer PC the PCL better than I think anybody's ever done before. He was he had a sub two uh, ERA in that league, and he, he it looked like his command was finally coming around. His stuff was always there. And I, I'm glad we kind of stuck with him. And it, I looked dumb for a while, Tim. So did you, because we said, hold on to Nelson. He's going to make it. He's going to make it for like two or three weeks. He didn't come up. And, 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 and Marco Estrada was out there. We looked stupid, Tim. And now, all of a sudden, it's starting to pay dividends. Well, yeah, something to be said about that uh, old blind squirrel finding the odd nut, eh? Absolutely. Uh, the other guy I want to just talk about before we get into the real stuff, Tim, and, and again, I love the kids, and, and Jackie Bradley Jr. has been unownable this year. He really has. He's been playing a lot better the last month, and he finally looks like a Major League Baseball player. But this guy, if he's not the best center fielder in the game, he's darn close to it. I don't know if you saw the catch he made today on the highlight reels, but, I mean, it was a, they were winning 3-2, to two, the Red Sox were winning 3-2, to two, and there was a ball that was hit a mile. I don't know who hit it. He literally, on a beeline to it, leaped, crashed into the wall, hauled the ball in, and if you take a look at how he went to the ball, it wasn't zigzagging around. He went straight to the ball. The guy runs amazing routes. I know we don't care about defensive capabilities and fantasy baseball, but that's what's keeping him in the lineup, and now he's starting to hit a little bit. Well, absolutely. Uh, I didn't see the highlight today, but I've seen some of the, some of the defensive gems he's, he's managed this year. And you're right, that's what's keeping him in the lineup. Unfortunately, it doesn't come into play in our game, but that doesn't take away his value to the real game. And he's going to be in that lineup. He'll grow, he'll mature, he'll improve. And I think at some point in time, he'll be uh, – a decent major league baseball player, and you know, with those uh, with those wheels and those defensive skills, uh, my guess is he's going to be playing the game a long time. Yeah, I still think his floor is Denard Span with a little bit more power in the end. And Denard Span is barely ownable, only in fifteen team leagues, but you know he's okay. And I think that's who Jackie Bradley Jr. is with again a chance to hit fifteen home runs and be a little bit better. Guys, if you want to get a hold of us, the best way to do that is on the Twitter at Timothy LMC for the great Tim McLeod. Of course, myself at Rich Wilson FSG. You can also go visit our Facebook page that the great Mainskin uh, puts out there. And Tim, the discussion there is fantastic. I know you're always out on it. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. There's a great great group out there, and we're sharing a lot of, a lot of good thoughts, having some fun. Uh, if you if you've got any sort of questions uh, with, with the quality and caliber of people that are partaking in that, fire away with any questions you have because you're sure to get. Uh, not only good opinions, but diverse opinions, and th- that's something that's real important. Uh, it's sometimes when you look for opinions and thoughts, it's fine to look at things through one other person's eyes, but if you can look at them through fifteen or twenty, it just sort of expands that range a little bit and provides you with more meaningful uh, data and information. Yeah, it's great because I, I get people that I'm trying to make trades with, Tim, who literally will go out and put the trade out there to get other people's opinions about the player they're trying to acquire. Is this guy really going to do really do something for the rest of the year and so forth? And, and he'll get 10 to 15 hits. So it's, it's crowdsourcing. It's like, hey, let me get a bunch of different opinions. Let me do it in the next couple of hours and come back to you and say, no, uh, Jason Hayward for, uh, <laughs> for uh, you know, bag of balls is not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the, the vote went 6-4, so now I'm coming back to you. <laughs> Timmy, let's get started. Uh, you know, we always love to do guest the player. I've given you a couple of weeks off. I've got a really, really, really hard one for you, but it, I think it's a fun one, too. So I'm okay. going to give you a chance to think about it a little bit. Um, I went back in time as we were thinking about the Hall of Fame, Tim, and I went back 15 years ago to 1999 in the height of the PED era, and at that point, there were 31 players who had an OPB over 400. This year, Tim, there are only four. I'm going to give you four guesses. I need two of them. Tim, give me those. Give me two out of four. Two out of four, OBP. Ooh. Over 400. I'm going to go Jose Altuve. <laughs> Tim, you have now three guesses to give me two. Jose Altuve is not one of them. He actually has a 378. Ooh. Uh, if I had to get here. How about Brantley? Uh, Brantley, Tim, you've got two guesses. You've got to give me two. Brantley is also not on there. Come on, Tim. Come on. Come on, man. I'll go Joey. I'll go Joey Bodo. He's always Joey Bodo. He's always <laughs> over 400. Oh, Tim, congratulations. You did correct yourself, but... You have blown this one big time. It is not Joey Voto or Joey Votto, either one of those guys. But uh, <laughs> but I think it was Joey, the Canadian you... guy who's always hurt. How's that? <laughs> That's very funny. Let's go back to 2014. So the, so the guys here. There's actually another guy that that hit it today. Tulu is actually uh, Tulu is actually leading the league in a 4.32 one base percentage. Next, Jose Bautista with 4.14. The third okay. one hurts a little bit, Tim. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to warn you, it hurts a little bit because in Tout Wars, you would have had Andrew McCutcheon and his 412 on base percentage. Uh, I will look at <laughs> exactly. And Paul Goldschmidt comes in with a solid okay. 400, number four. Yasiel Puig did sneak in uh, yesterday, and he's actually at 400 as well. But So I would have actually, any one of, either one of those guys would have done that. I, Yasiel Puig, Tim, I mean, this is a guy that we both thought was really not going to uh, become the player that he's become. I will tell you, he only has 12 home runs and seven stolen bases, so he's not a, a, a you know an absolutely fire on fire fantasy player. But the guy can hit. He's getting on base a lot and he's scoring some runs. Yeah, no, and uh, he hasn't ended up in jail yet. So hey, those are all bonuses, right? 
Yeah, but it's interesting. Even guys like Mike Trout, Tim, 390 on-base percentage. So, I mean, even the great Mike Trout, who's having a remarkable year, doesn't even crack um, the 400 on-base percentage. Yeah, if you would have said slugging over 600, I would have, I would have got one right there for sure. Uh, cargo Tim 363, so uh, that doesn't make us feel too bad. So, No, the problem with the 363 is it's on about 150 at bats light. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. So, Tim, I, I, let's, let's play another game very, very quickly here. Wow, this is Ooh. fascinating. Make sure I'm in the right. Let me make sure I'm in the right year. And I'm in 2011. Let me switch over to 2014. All right, let's see. 2014. I'm looking at slugging percentage, Tim. Um, I want you to give me – there's four guys over 590 slugging percentage. I want you to give me two of those. Uh, well, the one's easy. He's over six, and that's Jose Abreu. Tim, you've got uh, one right. You've got three guesses to get one more right. Oh, one more guess. Who's hit up? So that's plugging. Uh, Tulo. Tulo is correct, Tim. You got uh, both of those, so you have redeemed yourself. Tulo is actually number two at 603, Mike Trout at 592, E5 at 591. Believe it or not, Victor Martinez comes in at number five. So that is remarkable that uh, Victor Martinez, Tim, I mean, can, is this something the rest of the season that we're going to see uh, uh, see this happen? Um, no. I, 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 when you look at what he's doing, I think it's amazing. I think he's going to have a, a good second half. But if you want the poster child for regression in 2015, draft Victor. He's your guy. Tim, I'm looking back at 1999. Larry Walker is number one. You know what his slugging percentage was? Uh, I'm going to guess at 660. 7-10. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> would I love to have one of them on my team. <laughs> yeah, 37 home runs, 11 stolen bases, and only 438 at-bats. Mark McGuire was second with 697. Then Manny was next at uh, 663. It's amazing, Tim. Sosha was next at uh, 635. So three, three of the top four guys we know uh, have admitted, or not, at least two of them have admitted to um, have been busted for uh, PEDs, and the other one has been uh, highly suspected to be PED users. So that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. Uh, that, that's for sure. Trouts, you said that 592, that's, that's up there, isn't it? It is. Trout's, uh, Trout's been a remarkable player. Tim, we go to fun with Twitter. I, first of all, I, I, wasn't that fun with uh, talking about fun? That was, a, that was a great guest to player. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we got a lot of mileage out of that one. I'm just glad that I was uh, curious as to <laughs> what uh, Abreu was sitting at, or I, I, might, I might have been over too. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Given that there was 31 players in 1999 that were over 400, and we know we can do the same thing for pitching, pitching is completely reversed as well. Is there anything to be learned in terms of the game becoming so much more pitcher-heavy versus batting-heavy for our for our kind of game, is it you know that it's so important for the first few rounds to truly go after hitting? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, you've got to try for one of one of one of the one of the big mashers in in the first couple rounds. But I think the trick is trying to identify these trends 
before they happen. It's very easy now for all of us to sit back and say, hey, you know, pitching has changed, hitting has changed, you know what I mean, the game has changed. It's easy to see it now. The trick is to get on board when all these changes are occurring, and there are going to be more changes in 2015, 2016, 2017. As our game continues to play, there will be changes, as there will be in, in Major League Baseball, and the trick from a fantasy perspective is to get on board at the right time, not afterwards, but ahead of the curve rather than behind it. So, Tim, I'm not going to ask you this question because it's, I'm putting you on the spot because it begs the question, what is the next great trend that's coming up and probably something we need to start exploring in the off season here? Well, I think you're going to see a lot more station-to-station ball, Rich. I really do. I think, I think you're going to see the teams focusing on advancing runners. I think, I think, I think we're going to see a lot more little ball. I really do. So does that mean, guys, then, that you've got to start having – you really need to be a speed whore. You've got to get the Billy Hamiltons and the D. Gordons, the Jose Altuves early because now instead of having big boppers, your speed guys are going to be so important. Or do you look at it the other way, that speed's going to be easier found at the end of the draft? Well, I, I think there's going to be more speed. I think the speed game will increase, but I think it's going to also – I don't think you're going to have to get that big stolen base guy because I think you can get two or three guys uh, later on that will produce those, you know, the same level of numbers. It'll depend on the philosophy, I believe, you take in assembling your team, whether you want to go all in or do you want to spread things out a little bit. Uh, I, th- I think there's options involved there. Taxonex is saying it's about contact hitters. Andrew T is saying stolen bases, and Taxonex also then piles on and says something like 80% of playoff series in the last five years have been won by the team with the highest contact rate, which makes total sense. That's back to your little ball concept. Well, yeah, you know what? You can't can't score if you don't get the first base. No, you cannot. Timmy, fun with Twitter. We've only got a couple of questions here, actually three questions. The first is from Coach Ducky. So, and I, I loved your tweet after when he, we mentioned his name the other the other week, Tim. He said, "Thanks for getting my name right." And you go, "Yeah, coach was pretty easy." I thought that was a that was a great line. Well, you know, after all the trouble we've had, I, I figured I had to try and make something a little bit lighthearted in there. And uh, Coach Jay Ducky has come up with some really good questions as of late, so we got to give him a shout out. Uh, Tim, I think you and I are on odds on this one, so that's why I wanted to bring it up. Mm. Who would you rather own in a dynasty league in win mode now, Andrew Haney or Noah Syndergaard? So in other words, Tim, who do you think has got the best chance to see major league time the rest of the season? Well, I went with Haney. Uh, I like his numbers at AAA. He he failed in his first go-around, but he's not the first – He's not the first player to be promoted with great talent and fail. I believe Mike Trout batted about 200 in his first 100 at bats uh, in that first first September call up. So I, you know, I just like everything Heaney's done. I, you know, they're both pitching. They're both pitching in the PCL now. Granted, Syndergaard is at Vegas, and you know that's. You know, that's, that's a little bit, yeah, that's almost impossible. But you know what? Syndergaard's also allowed 110 hits and 91 innings pitched. Uh, Heaney, 81 and 90, and for absolutely off the charts amazing. Let's compare them to Jimmy Nielsen, who allowed 70 hits and 111 innings pitched, all three in the PCL. So I, I just like Heaney a little bit better. I think he's ready, and I think the opportunity, opportunity will present itself a lot quicker than it will with Syndergaard. 
Yeah, Tim, you, you've uh, since it. I doubt Tanaka's going to play much the rest of the year, so you've won that bet hands down. Uh, three seventy-five over, three seventy-five under. You had the under, so you win that steak and liquor bet. I don't know if we've had other ones, but how would you like to go yeah. on just uh, a lark steak and liquor bet number two here? You've okay. got Heaney the rest of the way. I've got Noah Syndergaard the rest of the way, and let's uh, let's. Let's do two things. One, number of innings pitched, because that gets to who's actually going to get the chance to play. And let's do strikeouts. Does that seem fair? I got no problems with that. That seems more than fair. I, you know, I'm the sort of guy that will always give you know, that, the other guy that opportunity, Rich. So, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 continue, I'll continue with that strategy and philosophy. Yeah, I, 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 my, uh, yes, Noah Syndergaard has not been very good this year for the New York Mets, and it's tough that he's going to be going to the New York Mets. Uh, but I mean, a six ERA or whatever he's doing in New York mm. Mets, excuse me, in, in Las Vegas, I would ignore that. I would take a look at the strikeout rate. The balls don't curve, and that's. I mean, he's got great breaking breaking pitches, and uh, he's not able to throw those. All the scouting reports are still very, very strong. I will say I have not seen him this year, but that's just going on what I've heard and knowing right. what I know about Noah Syndergaard having seen him. So, uh, Andrew Heaney, I like him a lot, Tim. I do think Noah Syndergaard's got a higher upside, and it'll be interesting to see which guy gets up called up first. I think it's Noah. You think it's Heaney. Yeah, the, the only thing that the only thing that sort of concerns me with this bet, and of course I would I would never renege on a bet, but when you start looking at the Mets rotation, I think it's fairly clear, and it's something that everybody should be very aware of, is that Wheeler and DeGroom are going to get shut down in September. That that's a lock. They're not going right to the bitter end, and there's no reason for them to at this stage of the game. So that means it's going to be perfect time to showcase Syndergaard. So I, I think Syndergaard's got two weeks. Oh, I would say a two, three-week window in September where he's going to get innings in, but uh, I still think he, he's going to nudge him out, I think. We'll see. I mean, uh, Syndergaard could do a Taiwan Walker did last year, come up for three or four games and pitch, and that's it, just to give him a little taste. I think he's yeah. on the 40-man. At least he should be because he's been in the minor leagues long enough. But you could see Montero come up as well if they're going to shut those guys down because Rafael Montero lost some time this year uh, recently because he was on the DL. So that could be a guy that comes up and plays for the Mets. If you're looking for a September roll the dice, Rafael Montero might be that guy for you. Timmy, we move to the next one. And it was the Razor. I don't know who sent this, but the Rays are doing their second half streak, eight wins in a row. I do know they lost today. I think it was actually up to nine wins in a row. So my question to you, Tim, and if you recall back two months ago, we talked about the Phillies and the Rays being two of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Still true with the Phillies, not true any longer with the, with the Rays. Do they have a chance to make the playoffs? Uh, they've got two chances, uh, Rich Slim and none. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, right now they're three games under they're three games under five hundred, okay? And they've got the O's, the Jays, and the Yankees all ahead of them. All three of those teams they've got to crawl over, and all three of those teams have money. I don't know so much about the O's, but the Jays and the Yankees they have money to spend, and they're going to be buyers. Uh, the Rays aren't going to be buyers. We know that. So I I, I think the odds of them getting past even one of those teams, uh, I'd be very, very surprised. I think they're going to finish in fourth. I'm 
pretty bullish on them, Tim, and it could be dead wrong. Cause, but I think that pitching, and particularly if David Price stays with them, I, if, he, if he gets straight, I totally agree with you. But if he stays with them, Tim, I mean, he's money every five games. I mean, Alex Cobb is looking a lot better. Chris Archer, I know, gave up three runs today. He's looking very, very good. They got Hellickson back now. Odorizzi, I mean, we talked about him being undervalued. He was your guy. I took Wade Miley. You took uh, Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi's been money as well. I mean, the guy's pitched really well over the last four to six weeks. That pitching staff's going to carry them through. Yeah, the pitching staff is fine, but if they had one team, maybe two, but three teams with two of them buying, I, I think that's just a bit too much. And, you know, the key will be that will totally determine that situation, as you mentioned, is going to be David Price. If they move David Price, bye-bye. And so just remember, Tim, two of the teams, the Jays, are hurting big time. They stink now. I mean, let's face it. They have, I mean, besides Jose Batista, who do they have on that team? And the Yankees, are, they're no good, Tim. I mean, Chase Headley, <laughs> that's their main guy now. I mean, and the, who's pitching for the, for the New York Yankees? I mean, Brandon McCarthy looks, by the way, 2-0 and since he joined the Yankees. Something always happens, Tim, when, when guys join the Yankees. I've lived here long enough to know, last 15 years. It's like the first two or three weeks. It's like they all become Derek Jeter and, uh, and uh, you know, a, a superstar. It's crazy. Well, remember when we were talking about Solarte a month into the season? Yeah, that's right. Uh, his, first, his, first, his first name, Tim, just so you know, uh, Jan Gervis Solarte. Jan Gervis is how you say his first name. You know what it is? It's a combination of his dad's name, which is Jan, and his mother's name, which is Gervis, or maybe have it the other way around. What kind of, what kind of name is that? Um, I don't know, but uh, I like it better than Will I Am, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, Robert O. says, the rest of the season – do you like uh, Tanner Wark or Danny Duffy using quality starts? I'm thinking I've had enough of Phil Hughes. Tim, uh, Tanner Wark or Danny Duffy? Well, this one's, this one's a fairly – they're both fairly close, but I think in the end it's not that tough a decision. And I think you've got to go with Tanner Rourke. And the big reason I think you've got to go with, with Rourke is – the fact that the Royals are not going to be pushing Danny Duffy in September, I don't believe. How many innings are they actually going to give him with him coming off, you know, the, the TJ and all of the problems we've seen at Duffy in the past? I think they're going to shut him down. Uh, I think Tanner Rourke gets more starts. Uh, I, I have no concerns about them going heavy on Rourke. He pitched 160 innings in 2013. So that's not a concern. They're both very, very close uh, in all the numbers. So when in doubt, go with the guy that I believe is going to be pitching right through to the end of September, and that's Tanner Rourke. I agree with you, Tim, but let me ask a question about Tanner Rourke. A guy, you know, again, we talked about Jake DeGroom and a lot of other surprise pitchers. This is a surprise pitcher to me. I mean, he's still not striking out a ton of guys, but, man, he doesn't walk anybody. He's getting really good run support. I mean, Tanner Rourke has been one of the bigger surprises this year. Well, yeah, I remember going back into spring uh, debating whether it was going to be Rourke or who was it, Jordan, the other guy? Taylor, we have that question, Tim, from one of our listeners. I think we both said Tanner Rourke. I hope so. I hope nobody goes and checks us on there. But I'm going to say, Tim, we said Tanner Rourke. <laughs> so. Well, I think I, said, I think I said Taylor Jordan because oh, I know okay. I owned him and cut, <laughs> and cut him, Rich. So, uh, <laughs> but if you go back to spring training, it, you know, he didn't. He, there was no guarantees he was even going to have a job. And I think Jordan got the job first, struggled, and then they brought Rourke in, and he's pitched incredibly well ever since. But uh, I don't see that changing. And I think when you look at the Kansas City offense, 
you know, I know this is a quality start question, but overall, Washington's got a better club than Kansas City. Well, that's true. Uh, totally agree with you, but it is quality start. So I think Tanner Rourke, yeah. I think for our listener, I would have definitely have, I think I'd have Tanner Rourke over Phil Hughes, and I probably have Phil Hughes over Danny Duffy. I, I completely agree with you, Tim. The, Danny Duffy's coming off with Tommy John. They're not going to push this kid. Well, no, there's there's no reason to take a chance on pushing him. He's, you know, he's pitched a grand total of before this season 40 innings in the past two years. Uh, you know, the pedigree is such that Danny Duffy could have a very very good future in the next next 10 years. Why take a chance on ruining that at this stage of the game? And I really think Danny Duffy has got number two potential uh, moving forward. Uh, uh, I think we're going to see more of what we've seen this year, and I think uh, as he moves away from the the TJ and gets his more innings, I think he's going to be even better and stronger. I think those strikeout rates will uh, will increase. So Duffy's at 98 innings uh, just this year. The majors, it looks like, uh, also six innings in AAA, so he's up to 105. So you figure he's got another 50 innings, Tim. If he does six innings of starts, so that's about eight starts left. So you figure one a week, that's two months. You double up some weeks. So he's probably got five to six weeks left. That would be my guess, yeah, unless Kansas City uh... – in the heat of a race, unless they do uh, and take the opposite approach to which the Nats, who were winning it all uh, without Strasburg, did, and give them give them days off and breaks in between, and you can't rule that out. Uh, the Royals might take that approach and still have them uh, into that third, fourth week. But you can be guaranteed they're either going to skip starts or he's going to be done about the middle of September. Yeah, the Royals, Tim, it, it's just not happening, man. It, it, it's, I mean, they, they brought in James Shields, which I thought was a, was a nice move. I mean, they did more just the future, giving up Will Myers, but you have to give them a little bit of credit. It just, the team is just, it's not coming together. This is a 500 team, and they talked about bringing Alex Rios or somebody else to, to help them out, but I don't see it happening for Kansas City this year. No, and Alex, Alex Gordon's been okay, but he's just been okay and he's had some injury issues and you know you know the the bullpen has been the bullpen's been great but you know you look at look at billy butler you know uh, i've been running him out there most of the year in deeper leagues simply because i didn't have any other choice i finally had a choice in one league this week so i sat him down he had two home runs this weekend now that's my <laughs> season at the kansas city royals in a nutshell rich yeah i think he went three for four today and uh i i, I know Tim, it's it's just brutal i mean i, I it, it's it's it happens to me every year whenever i give up on a guy that's when he blows up so you and i are going to give up on cargo next year he'll win the mvp hands down well, uh, if you're going to give up on him for sure, I might take him, Rich. Just <laughs> I, I definitely, everybody listen, if you're new listening to this, when I give up on the player, I am telling you, it is a, it is a go for everybody else because I give up on him the year before he breaks out or a year before he destroys it. The only person that that hasn't held really true for is L2V. There you go. Timmy, but he's uh, the never trading... given you any reason to give up. <laughs> That's true. Uh, the trading season really kicked in uh, uh, big this week. And, Tim, I am proud to say, proud to say mm. that I am beating you 2-1 to one in our trading game. I'm 2 for 3. You're 1 for 3. Uh, so we did pretty good. I mean, uh, out of the 12 and the 3 of them are down, we actually got uh, a couple of them right. Yeah, that's that's almost scary because – 
usually uh, usually two wins and you're already at three. I, I might have to break out the white white flag sometime in the next day or two and start waving it on Twitter. I think, Rich. No, no, Tim. I'm only at two. I got two. You got one. We both missed on one. But Tim, let's go uh, to the first one. And the Yankees acquired Chase Headley for right-handed pitcher Rafael DePala and third baseman Jan Gervis Solarte. Of course, as I was telling you, Tim, the the, uh, first day in, Chase Headley hits a walk-off in the 14th. I think it was a single. Many homers over the weekend. I mean, Chase Chase Headley is definitely a a step up from Jan Gervis, who was there before. But tell me what he's going to do in Yankee Stadium. I think I think he's going to be okay. Uh, you know, de- definitely. I think if you have uh, visions of the season two years ago, I think you can you know you can forget about that dream. Uh, but uh, I can see over the next two months, I can see see seven, eight home runs, two eighty five batting average, and a decent number of RBIs. Uh, you know, he's going to bat in a good spot in that lineup, and he's going to have some people that will get on base in front of him. So. Uh, I think uh, I think he's definitely a good buy right now. I totally I I couldn't have said it better myself. Tim, that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, uh, two years ago it was 31 home runs, uh, 13 last year with a 250 average, but his on base was pretty good, 347. This year the power sank even lower, Tim. But he's a switch hitter and he's going to be on the good side of the platoon with a short porch and right field for half of his games. I think that's going to give him an uplift, at least three or four home runs right there. So I think your seven or eight is spot on. Yeah, I, that, I, like I said, I, I think he's going to provide uh, provide value. And let's face it, third base doesn't have a whole slew of talent sitting there, does it? Nope, Tim, I, I don't think so. And he is a significant, so if you're in an only league, Tim, is this the guy that you're, you, if you've saved most of your fab, is this the guy that you're laying it all down as Chase Headley, or are you going to wait another few days to see if somebody else switches leagues? Well, I, I don't know what better opportunities. You know, you could look at, you know, potentially starting pitching, moving around it. You know, this, if I was in an AL only, I would think that this would be the time that I'd be spending my cash. Uh, this one's in the bank, and you know the numbers are going to be decent. And if you need the power numbers, a boost in your batting average, it's there for you. Tim, uh, Chase Headley was number the fifth, uh, came in fifth in the MVP in 2012 after that breakout season. There was a lot of people calling for the Padres, including myself, for the Padres to trade him. And they, they said, nope, this is our franchise guy. He has fallen. And basically, they got a quad 4A guy with Solarte. And Rafael DePaulo has got a nice arm, but most people believe he's going to be a reliever. I've seen him pitch live. I, I like the fastball. He has no command of it yet. And the secondary pitches really are underdeveloped. And he's he already got held back twice coming from the Dominican because he lied about his age. So we're not even sure how old this guy really is. He could be 40 for all we know. So, I mean, it, it's shocking how little, isn't it, how little they got for Chase Headley? Well, compared to what they could have got a year ago, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. But when you look at what Headley has done since uh, since that amazing 2012, does he really warrant any more than that right now? I don't think so, Tim. I, I really don't. And But it does beg the question with Chase Headley in 2012, is there a guy that has blown up this year that you think is a Chase Headley, not necessarily a third base, but just somebody who's done really, really well, that you're going, I'm not buying this at all, and if I were the team, 
I would go ahead and move this guy because he's at the peak of his value. Well, I think the easy answer there is a player that I that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, Victor Martinez. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's you know you look at the home run numbers. Victor Martinez is a good baseball player. He's going to hit for average. He's going to get on base. He should hit ten to fifteen home runs somewhere in that range, driving seventy five to eighty. But he's not going to hit mid twenties home runs. There's no way. The other the other guy that I'm looking at that got off to an amazing start. Uh, that definitely has come back down to earth is Charlie Blackman in Colorado. He's a guy that I will not be. I will not be. Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the April. I think he got a 260, 270 batting average, middle of the road uh, outfielder here. I I, I don't see uh, a duplication next year. And when you take the Coors effect out of that whole situation. I said I'm I'm just not buying in on Blackman. Timmy, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Sorry, I had a little problem with my switch here. Uh, oh, okay. I totally I totally agree with you with Block uh, with Blackman. Uh, I think he's one of the guys that made the All Star team. That it's like really this is an All Star. I feel great for him because I know he invited his entire extended family. Good for him. I think uh, right. you're right. This is a guy that you want to be selling high on. I think even for the rest of the season, selling high on Charlie Blackman. But Tim, I, I, with my site, I get, and I don't know why I'm getting this, but I bet you I've gotten seven or eight guys asking me they don't believe in Brian Dozier uh, with the Minnesota Twins, and they think he's a sell-high candidate. Tim, I've looked at his stats every which way. I've I looked at video. I got to tell you, I think there's upside there because he's, his batting average of balls in play is a little down. This is a guy that I think has batting average upside, and I think the power and speed is for real. Yeah, I don't think he's a sell high because I don't think I don't think the numbers he's generating are artificially high I, I think what you're looking at with brian dozier is you're you know you're looking at a 2020 player with solid on base percentage skills hey if you're playing in an obp league bump dozier up i think right now you're looking at a 230 240 batting average but i think you're looking at more of the same moving forward so i don't think it's a sell high i think you're selling him for what his true value is Totally agree with you, Tim. I mean, I'm taking a look at everything. His uh, home run to fly ball ratio is 14%. That's not crazy high. Let's say it's artily inflated by a couple of percentage, so maybe that 19 home runs becomes 16 home runs that he's hit. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. His speed is, is his speed opportunity is sitting at 20%, which is pretty reasonable. Fly ball percentage is reasonable at 40, 44. I think this is an easy 2020 guy. I think he's probably a 25-22 guy at the end of the season. And I bet you next year, Tim, I bet you pencil in, pencil in 2020, and that's low. Yeah, I, I know when I look to my plans next year, uh, I, I'm penciling in 2020, and I'm going to be bidding and buying based, based, on, based on those numbers. Contact rate 78%, walk rate 12%, batting average of balls in play in the 240. So this guy's got batting average upside from that 230. I think it's 260, 265. Uh, and if, if that's the case and he bounces back in the second half here of the last two months, he could hit 300 easy and just wind up in the year with 250. And that would be totally statistically normal. Tim, I do have to ask a question, and I, I'm assuming you're going to say pass. 
Solarte worth a pickup if you're an NL only? Uh, yeah, he, he is. Actually, I'm going to shock you, and I'm going to say, yeah, he is worth a pickup. Uh, in 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 in, uh, in an NL only, uh, hey, you're looking for at-bats, and he's getting at-bats. He's going to steal the odd base, hit the odd home run. So definitely uh, definitely in, in an NL only, but that's the only format. Not a mixed 15 team, though, right? No, I think you'd have to go a lot deeper. Maybe, maybe twenty team, uh, Rich, but definitely not a not a fifteen team. And apparently, Jed Jerko is ready to come back, so things are going to get a little bit crowded. Especially uh, when's Cabrera due back? It must be reasonably soon, I would think. I would think so, Timmy. I, I, I would think so. So we'll, we'll see. Solerity might be the the odd man out. Uh, right. The other one I got uh, correct, Tim, was. We both got Chase Headley right, I believe. I got this one right. The Tigers acquired Joaquin Soria for right-handed pitcher Jake Thomas Thompson and reliever Corey Knebel. Now, Tim, I actually put down uh, – Knebel, excuse me. I actually put down the pronunciation because I did research on this because I thought it was Knebel because that's what I heard him when he was in college. It's actually Knebel. So I want, I want credit from all of our people that bash us. We did research on this, Tim, so we could say his name correctly. Well, yeah, I am totally, I'm totally impressed. And, you know, hey, on the, on the show notes, you actually spelled it can-abel. So, hey, I, I can't get it wrong. I thought it was Cain and Abel. That's what I thought it was. I was about to put an I in there. I thought that would have been funny, Tim. But I a little biblical humor here on a Sunday night. Well, yeah, if Cain is Abel, who knows what could happen. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Timmy, I have to ask you the question because I don't know this answer. I would assume it's Joaquin Soria, but who gets the most number of saves the rest of the way? Okay, you're going to love this answer, as are the majority of our listeners. Joe Nathan is going to get the bulk of the saves. Osmus is going to stick with him until the wheels totally fall off. And even though Soria is a better pitcher, we've seen it already, what the Tigers are going to do is they're going to use Soria, I believe, more often than not, in high leverage situations in the seventh, eighth inning, where they need an out, they've already demonstrated. I believe they've already had him in in the seventh inning uh, once because I saw the hue and cry about it uh, on Facebook. And I think they're going to use Nathan more in the ninth than Soria, and they'll use Soria in the seventh, eighth in those high leverage situations. So I don't. <laughs> I, I think people looking for saves at a Soria might might be a little bit Soria. So, Tim, what do you constitute as the wheels completely falling off the car here? I mean, Joe Nathan has got a 5.73 ERA, a whip of 1.49. He's got a great strikeout rate of 10. I'll grant you that. But, I mean, at what point do we say this guy has just lost it? His velocity is way down from his heydays. He's 38 or 39 years old. Sorry, is a better pitcher. I mean, how can... What if what if Joe Nathan's been blowing saves left and right? What if he blows the save this coming week? Does Soria finally get the chance, or does Osmus really stick with him for a few more blown saves? I think it's gonna I think it's gonna take a run of blown saves two two three before Soria works his works his way into the situation. And you know, hey, if if, if Nathan blows the, blows the odd game. Uh, I don't think one game is going to make that difference. I think Nathan's going to have to blow up back to back. And maybe well, he's back. He's he's blown up so many times, Tim, that it's uh, maybe this is the passive aggressive way instead of naming him closer, just to say Joe Nathan is my closer, knowing that Soria eventually is going to become the closer. I, I hear you, Tim. Your logic is 
is unquestionable. I, I can't even poke holes in it because when you say Soria is the better pitcher, so they're going to use him high leverage situation, bases loaded with one out in the seventh inning, bring him in to get two outs, totally makes sense. But, man, you lose it in the ninth inning. That's what, that's what the killer of the, the whole the game is. When you get those walk-offs from the other team, that's the demoralizing part of baseball. And I just don't believe that the Detroit Tigers are going to have the stomach for this. We talk about the Kansas City Royals not having a very good team. They're only five games behind. Yeah, you're right. They're only five games behind. Hey, things can change in a heartbeat. I, I could be totally wrong, but I, I think for now, I think Nathan is their ninth-inning guy. That can change, but Nathan could reel off five five consecutive saves in a row, and let's face it, that's five saves that Joaquin Soria isn't going to get, right? So Knable, Tim, was the closer in college. He, he looked like he was going to be the closer in waiting for Detroit. I had picked him up on a couple of dynasty leagues, expecting that to happen. Right. He might be the closer very, very soon. Tali Feliz has clearly been named the closer by Ron Washington. I'm sure he'll be given a little bit of rope here. But, Tim, he was a little shaky in his, uh, his save last night. Who gets the most number of saves the rest of the way in Texas? And a secondary question, does Corey Canable get a few? Well, you know, when you look at Feliz, his velocity is still off two to three miles an hour. I believe he's pitching in the 92-93 range. And prior to the Tommy John, he was sitting, if I'm not mistaken, consistently in the 95-96. Feliz is definitely, the velocity is definitely down. He's got the job. I think if there is a reason for him to be pulled from the job, if he, if he struggles, uh, yeah, I think uh, Ken Abel... Uh, is in a position where he could get saves, as is Sean Tolleson, as is Neil Kotz, assuming Neil Kotz is still with Texas after uh, after the 31st. So uh, I think if Feliz struggles, I think it's going to be a combination and that old bullpen by committee, and all three of those guys will be in the mix. Last guy, Jake Thompson. He's a big guy, Timmy. Innings eater kind of profile. I wrote about him in my May pop-ups. I didn't really give a lot of love towards him. Not surprised he was actually able to be put into a trade like this. That's what you do with guys who have come, kind of popped up in the, you know, out of nowhere. He's not that great of a pitcher. So people in dynasty leagues, if you're running out to pick him up, think Dan Straley, think Eric Johnson, think up and down guy, think back of the rotation guy that uh, doesn't have an electric fastball, has four average pitches, Tim, and and that's who, that's who Jake Thompson is. Yeah, I just took a quick look, and, you know, he was a high school All-American, a second rounder in 2012 at a high school, the number four Tigers prospect. I don't think Texas did all that bad. I don't know what the future is going to hold for Thompson. He's still very, very, very young and at a low level, but I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of in, intrigued with anybody that was a second rounder coming out of high school. I, like I said, I, I, haven't, I haven't formed a solid, a solid an opinion and looked into the guy as, as deeply as you have, but... You know, that high school All American second round that sort of has my sort of has my attention. His minor league numbers have been okay so far. Tim Tim, who who brought you Jake the Groom? Who brought you Alex who who brought you Al as Alcantara? Who's brought you Mookie Betts? Trust me on this, Tim. Don't go picking them okay. up in your dynasty league. Trust me on this, Tim. Well, I can't because the rules say I can't. Unless <laughs> make it to the majors this year. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will trust. I will trust you, and I will look a little bit deeper. I, I every time I see high school all American, it's sort of yeah, it 
tweaks tweaks an interest. I think that's that's wise, uh, Timmy. But uh, again, he doesn't throw that hard. I, I, I feel like he's a back of the rotation guy. Which, if he's a okay. back of the rotation guy, means he's tough to own in a 15-team, 12-team kind of uh, dynasty league. Tim, it's funny. I, I've over the last uh, couple of weeks, I've started to put together my top 10 list out on Prospect 361, kind of in preparation for all the writing I have to do. And I usually have a list of maybe 20 to 25 players in each uh, for each team. When I got to the Texas Rangers, and it's not Texas Rangers, Dallas, uh, Detroit uh, Tigers. Last night I was actually working, and I'm staring at it, Tim, and it's mm. blank. And I put Derek Hill was their number one, uh, who I really like, uh, number one uh, pick this year. I put him number one. And then right. I'm like, oh, my word, who is next? I mean, it was Robbie Ray, Devin Travis. It gets ugly after that. I mean, they got nothing, Tim. They, they got Stephen Moya, who's six foot seven and has a swing about as long as you'll ever see that can hit the ball as far as – I mean, I saw him in a couple balls deep when I was, uh, went down to, to watch the double-A Baltimore Orioles play, the Bo Sox. I mean, he just cleared that the batting eye. But get him in a game, he's, he's a big swing and miss guy. That might be a guy they can move. Jonathan Crawford was their number one pick last year. is not that good. He's kind of like Jake Thompson is. They have nothing, uh-huh. so this better work, Timmy. I was going to say, are they worse off than the Angels? No, they're not. And fortunately for me, I don't have to do the Angels probably for another month or so. So I've got them ordered. I've got the NL Central done and the AL Central done, and I've started on the NL East. And just for anybody who cares, I do them alphabetical. And I've got Jose Peraza, number one, over Lucas Sim in the Atlanta organization. So you people in uh, Dynasty Leagues, take note. Jose Peraza will be your starting uh, second baseman maybe as soon as next year. So do not fall in love with Tommy, Tony, uh, Tommy Lestella. No, and that makes sense because I think we know what the upside is out of Lestella, which is the same as what we've seen so far, which will continue indefinitely on and on and on. He's going to slap it all over the park. But if there's a player at in the you know, down in the minors with a little bit more upside, I, I think Lestella has uh, – uh, uh, utility infielder yeah. written all over him. Does that sound about right? Or an extra bat because he doesn't play shortstop. Mm. So, I mean, he's he's a guy that's going to hit five, six home runs, steal five or six stolen bases, and hit 280. And that's a nice player, but not a nice fantasy player. Tim, the other one that went down over the weekend was the Mariners finally uh, brought in uh, Kendrys Morales. They tried to sign him as a free agent. They offered him the $14 million. They finally got their guy... But Kendrys Morales, Tim, let's face it, has stunk this year. He's got one home run. Is he going to help them? Well, now that he's got his spring training uh, behind him in Minnesota, it's, I, I can't see where it's going to be any worse. What was he, one homer, 20 RBIs, a two twenty six batting average? He missed the first two months of the season. Uh, I think he's playing catch-up. Uh, we'll see how quickly he catches up in August, but... Uh, don't the Mariners have a whole slew of first-base DH types right now, like about 14? Well, they do, and I know Justin Smoke has been demoted. Tim, if they trade Justin Smoke as a throw-in and are trying to bring in David Price or, or uh, uh, John Lester or somebody like that, I think Justin Smoke needs to change the scenery. He needs to get the hell out of Seattle for sure because he can't hit in that ballpark. If I get him on a dynasty league, I'm going to hold on to him for another couple of weeks before I ditch him because I think he's going to get moved. And if he does, I think there's some life left in him. Well, yeah, if he ended up, say, in 
Milwaukee, the, you know, hey, there might be some potential there. But yeah, it's it's amazing how how low in the organization's opinion certain players have gotten. And you know, you look at Montero. I think he's hit like seven or eight home runs in the past couple of weeks to, down on the farm, absolutely tearing it up. And they bring in Morales. Uh, why didn't they just give? Uh, why didn't they just give? Uh, Jose Montero. Look? Yeah. They hate him. They hate him. <laughs> Tim, they, they just do. I mean, certain teams just hate players. I mean, we're going to yeah. talk about Oscar Tavares, and I don't think the St. Louis Cardinals hate to Oscar Tavares, but they're sure not showing him any love. I, I don't know. Jesus Montero came in 40 pounds overweight. They traded him from Michael Pineda. They're, they're hating life because they feel like it was a bad deal. They hate Jesus Montero. I don't think they're going to give him a chance, Timmy. Yeah, no, I, I agree, but it's just amazing how how low he has sunk in a relatively short period of time. And he's playing good baseball. You know, I don't care how much you hate him. Maybe just give him a look. I don't think he can be any worse than uh, Kendrys Morales at this stage of the game, and they're willing to pay him that prorated 12 on the last two months. So, guys, it's a, we're taking a look at Kendrys Morales. I'm just reading stuff right off of here. Everything is identical from last year. His contact rate is identical. He is His walk rate is cut in half. He's only walking 4% of the time as opposed to 8% of the time. Again, small sample size. Fly ball ratio is the same as it was last year. Tim, it's just not going over the fence. So everything else looks, fly ball rates are the same. The only thing he's not doing is driving the ball over the fence. I think once he gets his legs underneath of him, which could be very soon, this could be a guy, I think, that can hit you, you know, eight to ten home runs the rest of the way. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, now that he's now that he's got, uh, got got gotten tuned up a little bit with the spring training in Minnesota, yeah, I I, I wouldn't hesitate to take a chance on Morales over the last couple months. If he's available uh, if he's available in your league, uh, I'd stash him on my bench right now. So, Tim, you know I write very exhaustive notes for our podcast, and I, I never read the notes. They're just there. It's almost a narrative. So you're, you're seeing what I'm thinking as I'm kind of constructing the topic. So you can play off of that and so forth. And it, it really seems to work. At least people tell us it works. And then I look at what I wrote about Kendrys Morales. I said, Morales' 2014 journey has been, and then I wrote nothing else. <laughs> I, I thought, I, I, what, what do you think I meant to write there, Tim? <laughs> I'm assuming it was an act of brilliance on your behalf, and you just didn't type the dot, the dot, 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 and I was supposed to fill in the blanks, so I said disaster. Yeah. I, I'm I sorry. Thought, hey, that's, that's a smooth move, Rich. Well done. Take credit for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Tim. Maybe it was because... I wrote it on Saturday, and that's when Jake Peavy got traded from the Boston Red Sox over to the, your San Francisco Giants. And, Tim, if there's somebody that I really like now the rest of the you have to. I mean, uh, Jake Peavy, first of all, his, his velocity is down 95 miles an hour a few years ago. It's down to 91 miles an hour now. Uh, so he is really kind of a, a, a fourth starter at best. I think he, he goes up a notch as soon as he hits San Francisco, and I think this is going to be a good thing for him. Yeah, definitely. Getting getting out of Fenway and getting into that bigger park, uh, looking looking at that division, uh, I, I think he's going to enjoy pitching to San Diego a lot more than he did pitching to uh, Toronto and Tampa Bay and 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 the Yankees. Uh, definitely a plus move, and I, I agree. I think you have to you have to pick him up a notch. And if if by chance he was dropped in, in any leagues, uh, I'd, I'd be targeting him. 
He was dropped in a ton of league stem. I mean, he was he was terrible at least the beginning of the season. He's actually played a lot better the last few uh, few weeks, and I think getting to that that big park and actually playing now in Los Angeles, which is a big park. He's a fly ball pitcher, and part of this problem this year has been home runs. Well, you know, a lot of people hit home runs in Boston, so I don't think that's going to happen in Los Angeles and Petco and and uh, and and San Francisco. And Tim, you know, the last two months of the year, you usually play in division. So he's going to have a lot of chances to play at some of those bigger ballparks. I really like him. Tim, the last topic I want to talk about, the last move that was made, is with your St. Louis Cardinals, where they picked up A.J. Przinsky. Now, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I think joked about it, that they're never, ever going to pick up A.J. Przinsky and replace the great Yadier Molina with A.J. Przinsky. But, Tim, they did it. Well, you know what? He was the best option out there, and the cards aren't playing it. They're not playing out the string. They're playing to win it. And when he is your best option, hey, he is now a Cardinal. Tim, come on. Now, here's my problem with the St. Louis Cardinals. They've got a top three minor league system. They, they're stacked in every every league, every division, whether it's AAA, AA. They've got so many outfielders that they could they could get anybody uh, that they could get J.R. Murphy from the Yankees and bring him in and make him the backup to Yadier when he comes back and, and give the Yankees somebody and they could have brought in anybody I don't be, I, I think they're being penny wise and pound foolish A.J. Brzezinski the the Boston Red Sox were so glad when he finally got out of town he was terrible as a receiver, and now look what they've done since uh, Vasquez has gone back, who's a tremendous receiver. All of those pitchers have pitched better. The, the Red Sox have played better. I think this is a disaster. Uh, you know what? I, I think when you look at the options out there, hey, I, I'm not a huge A.J. Berninski fan, but when you look at the options out there, they need somebody now, and they need, they need somebody who can hit for a bit of power. He's got a decent batting average. And you know what? I, I've, I've heard that he's, he's not, not great working with pitchers, but, you know, in the two games he's been in St. Louis, Wainwright won one nothing, and Shelby Miller actually tossed five and two-thirds solid, solid innings. He went three for four with an RBI yesterday, one for four today. My question would be, what other options were out there on a short-term basis at catcher, and what would it cost them? This cost them nothing, absolutely nothing. So, you know, hey, I, I'm not a huge fan, but I, I think it might have been their best option, as scary as that may seem. Well, what about Kurt Suzuki? I mean, the, the uh, Twins are going to move Kurt Suzuki. They don't need him. How about Kurt Suzuki for Ramla Grychuk? I mean, there's no room at the end for Ramla Grychuk. He's, he's going to be a fine Major League Baseball player. Get in for two months. I mean, that's why you have these minor league guys, that you use them as trade, as trade barter. And I, they have so many guys, Tim, that they could have gone out, not to say they could have gotten a pick of the litter, but they could have gotten somebody who doesn't have a long-term contract or even have moved him then back in the off season and just truly rented him for a couple of months until Yadier comes back and they bring in AJ Przinsky to you know everybody tells you he's not a very good teammate. Well, yeah, there have been some issues apparently in the past. <laughs> 
it's it's remarkable. And let's also, let's stick with your Saint uh, Saint Louis and Car- Saint Louis Cardinals. And, and and I know that a lot of Cardinal fans listen to the show, and, and I love the Cardinals. I mean, I, I mean they they've won multiple World Series here in the last ten or fifteen years. They went to the World Series last year. Tremendous organization. Tim, what the heck are they doing with Oscar Tavares? This is a tremendous talent, and yet he's pretty much sitting in the pine. They made a mistake, my humble opinion, by signing Alan Craig to what amounts to the next four years, $10 million. He's not a $10 million player. This is a, this is a 12 to 15 home run guy and a 250 batting average that got away with like a 360 or 380 Babbitt last year, and his, his uh, batting average was totally inflated. And now they have no room to play Oscar Tavares, and that offense needs somebody that can hit. Well, yeah, the point is right now, though, is is Tavares a better baseball player right now than Alan Craig? That's, that's a great question. That's, that's, that's a great question, Tim. You know, that, that's that's the tough part of the equation. I, you know, when I look at Craig, yeah, I think they, you know, hey, the, the money is not outrageous, not on a four-year deal, but maybe there are some concerns right now in St. Louis that Tavares – is not quite ready, and if he's not quite ready, they're in a pennant race, and they won't. Hey, they, they're lining up to win it this year. They've got they've got great pitching. Uh, you know, if Tavares isn't ready, they don't feel he's ready at this point in time. Then maybe Craig is the best short term option. But I think moving forward, they've got to do something about this. And I, I really think they'll move Alan Craig this off season, but not so, until the off season. I. I hear you, Tim, and it's hard, again, second time I've said this, it's hard to dispute what you're saying. Alan Craig potentially is a better player today, but I think very quickly Oscar Tavares has way more upside because we know, what is, uh, Alan Craig got seven home runs. He's going to hit another four or five this year, maybe six home runs. That's what he's going to do. That's how much power he has in his game. His Babbitt has totally corrected itself. He is what he is. He might hit another 20 points higher. But you're, you've seen what Alan Craig is going to produce this year. Oscar Tavares, he, he's produced every level of the minor leagues. He was producing in AAA. Give the guy a chance. Put him out there for two straight weeks. Let him play right field. Let him play center field for for. 12 out of the 14 days that there's that they're games and then move Alan Craig and you know move Alan Craig and John Jay slash Peter Borgios in center field and and Matt Adams in first place but give the guy a chance to actually get going the same thing that the, the Red Sox did with Mookie Betts they didn't play him and then chipped him off you gotta you gotta promote these guys and play them otherwise you're never they're never going to develop I agree it's funny because I was just going to say he's a, he's in the process of being Betts yeah, that's true. So I think, uh, you know, I totally I get, get you. I mean, they have a chance to win the whole thing again, but they need some offense. I think the opportunity is sitting in uh, Oscar Tavares, and you've got to give that guy a chance to get, get grooving, to get rolling. You can't just throw him in there. He is not George Springer, who was 25 years old, had played in the upper minors for three years, was clearly ready, and he, could, he started hitting the first day he came up. Give Oscar Tavares two to three solid weeks of just getting out there, and I bet you, Tim, he starts to produce. He's going to produce a lot more, in my humble opinion, than Alan Craig. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I'm just looking at it from the Cards' perspective, and they want to win right now, so are they going to take that chance? Yeah, you know, maybe Tavares should, shouldn't have even been called up in the first place. He should, he should be still sitting at AAA, getting regular at-bats in. Could be true, Tim. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. We've got 20 minutes left. I'm going to... I'm going to let you pick. We were going to talk about replacement players to some of the guys who got injured. We're going to talk about some of the guys that have been really cooking it over the last two weeks. And if they are truly a fact or fiction, which one would you like to do? Uh, What you're saying is we're not going to get it all in, Rich. That's right. We have to do two-star pitchers, so we get to pick one or the other, Tim. You get the pick. (laughs) Okay, let's go with some of the injury replacements because I'm sure that's something that our listeners – uh, would definitely uh, want our insight on uh, any possible pickups to replace some of the walking wounded. How about that one, Rich? All right, that sounds good, Timmy. So we had a bunch of players here. Matt Kane. Matt Kane's kind of scary, Tim. This, we're talking elbow mm-hmm. problems, and I mean they brought in Jake Peavy for a reason. I, it doesn't feel good about Matt Kane. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be at all shocked to see him shut down for the balance of the year. Yep. Matt Kane went out, George Springer out, Justin Morneau out, Ryan Zimmerman, who are they're saying six to eight weeks, and he's out. So he might be droppable now. By the time he comes back, it's going to be the last two weeks of the season. At least that's what they're saying. Uh, Tulu went out. Uh, so, Tim, this is all in one week. These, these, we're, we're talking a bunch of first-rounders in here, uh, the, probably the, the uh, AL, uh, one of the comp- competitors for AL Rookie of the Year goes out. I mean, this has been a tough week. But you know what's sort of funny is that there hasn't been any real big hue and cry about it uh, out there in the fantasy world because I think we've seen so many injuries at various points in time this year. I think everybody sort of resolved themselves to this is like the norm. Matt Michaels in the interactive chat room says Brandon Belt also out. Brandon, poor Brandon Belt gets hit in the face, Tim, and he's still having concussion symptoms. and. Uh, it, it might be a prolonged absence, and you hate it when these guys have prolonged uh, concussion symptoms because sometimes it, it, it just doesn't get much better. Well, it took Justin Morneau almost two full years, didn't it? Sure did, and we hope that doesn't happen to, to the great Brandon Belt. But, it, boy, what a lost season. It was so much promise to him in the first two months. He looked like he was going to hit 30 home runs, and he's stuck at nine, I think it is, because he can't get back on the field. First he gets hit in the hand, and now he gets hit in the face. I mean, the night, poor guy's not doing anything except getting hit by the ball. If it wasn't for bad luck, he wouldn't have any at all. So, Tim, let's take a look at by position. We've got first baseman's out. We've got third baseman's out, outfielder's out, and shortstop out. We won't even talk about pitchers because they're a little bit more plentiful. But I went to our house league on our 15-teamers, and I said uh, first base pickups. Tim, this is what I had. These were the best guys out there. Maybe there's somebody else out there. I had Robinson, uh, Chirnos, uh, Brian Pena, Ben Polson, Chris Parmalee, Tim. These are not four guys that uh, you're always going to see on a fantasy team, but if you're in a 15-team league, this is who you might be picking up. you like any of these guys? Maybe somebody else out there. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of, of any, really. Maybe, maybe Pena, Chironis, but uh, here's a couple other names. How about James Loney? Boring. Uh, the batting average at least is there. He'll score a few runs, drive a few in. James Loney and Yonder Alonso is just back off the DL. I think there's at least some semblance of upside with those two. Stability at Loney anyways. 
I think it's, I, I, yeah, I, Loney is who you know. I mean, it's not going to kill you anywhere because his batting average of on base percentage won't kill you. Not going to help you right. much. But Yonder Alonso is back, Tim. I don't know what to expect from him. I'm going to be activating him in one of my uh, dynasty leagues that I'm playing. I'm actually going to replace Robinson Chernos. How do you say his last name, Tim? Chernos? Chernos, I think. Yeah. Chernos. It's uh, Robinson Chernos. I'm going to be playing, replacing Yonder Alonso. Robinson Chernos with Ayanna Alonzo. First of all, is that a good move, you think? Uh, I, I I think it is. Uh, I, I, like all those doubles that Alonzo had, they're still filed away in the back of my mind. I think Alonzo can still be a decent player. He's just been raked over the coals with injuries. And I, I'd, give it a, I'd give it a spin. Uh, you know, you've, you've got absolutely, if you're looking at those two guys, you've got nothing to lose, right? I would take Chirnos next and then Loney after that. I don't know about the other guys. Sim, you probably will flip uh, Chirnos and Loney, but Pena, Polson, or Parmalee, uh, any of those guys? Well, I think we saw we saw the best out of Chris Parmalee, and it is what it is. Pena had a couple home runs, I believe, last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. If you happen to catch lightning, you could pick up any of these guys, and they could hit three home runs in a week and call it a year. Tim, third base is a little bit more interesting. Again, this is one of our house leagues, 15 teams, so these are the ones that are available. Obviously, might be different for your league. At third base, Mike Moustakis, which I think has got to be the pickup here, I think, I'll ask Tim. Luis Valbueno is also out there, and Adam Duvall, who has been playing for Brandon Belt, who is still injured. So, Timmy, out of those three, or maybe somebody else that you can bring up, who would you like to have? Under those three, it's definitely uh, definitely Moose. But here's a couple other uh, other names that you know. David Fries is showing some life as of late, and I don't I don't know how many leagues David Fries might have been dropped in. Uh, Mike Avila's boring as heck, but he's managing to still get steady at bats, steals the odd base, hits the odd homer. And the guy that I'm really surprised uh, at that isn't owned in more leagues is Cole Gillespie. Uh, he's having a really nice quiet season. Uh, in Chicago, and I sort of like Cole Gillespie. I, I, I own him in a couple leagues, and I've got no complaints when you start looking at deep formats. You like him because his, his first name is Cole, Tim. Come on. Well, seeing as how you brought it up, can, can I talk about Calhoun for an hour or two? <laughs> Interactive chat room. Uh, Bill Borst, and I apologize, Bill, if I just butchered your last name. I need help at third base, and Coughlin is eligible. I'm a little surprised at that, Timmy. What about uh, Chris Coughlin? Hey, he's going to get at bats. Uh, he's on a streak right now. Uh, hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate uh, anything sustainable out of him, but he's on a roll. He's hitting well, and if he fills your need, yeah, plug him in there, Bill. 173 at-bats, five home runs, four stolen bases. You like those ratios a lot, Tim. 80% contact rate, 10% walk rate. So that batting average of 272 looks pretty true there. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not a bad little player. I would think I would click the accept button on that or click the pickup button on that one, Tim. Well, yeah, the only thing I'm a little curious about is how is he eligible at third base? Yeah, I, I don't know, Tim. Probably, I'm, I'm, trying to, one of those... I'm trying to figure that one out. Probably one of those Yahoo leagues where he actually has one uh, game played. There, I'll go check CBS to find out as as I'm bringing up the next one to to see how many. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. He just typed it in. Third base eligible in Yahoo. Everybody uh, plays everything in Yahoo, right? 
Yeah, I think if you get like like one half an inning at uh, third base, then you're eligible. So, which I which I don't understand. Tim, what about Adam Duvall? Again, uh, ton of home runs in the minor leagues. He might be a quad four A guy, but has already hit a couple of home runs since he got recalled. Yeah, the only problem I have with Duvall is if I pick up Duvall. That means I've given up on Brandon Belt, and I can't do that, Rich. It's just a, I own Belt in like three or four leagues, and I know it makes absolutely no sense, but to me, if I pick up Duvall, that means I'm giving up on Belt. I can't do that. Brandon Belt's a Hall of Famer. Tim, I, 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 can't, I can't agree with you more. So I'm looking at Chris Coughlin's uh, name here, eligibility, uh, eight. Yeah, he's played no eight times. He's played third base last year. I, CBS has him no starts or no times playing third base this year. So I, I don't know how he's eligible in his league. So that's that's fascinating. Five games eligibility probably in the prior last, year. Yeah, probably. Okay, that's probably it right there. And yes, I, I I was paying attention to you, Tim. I do agree with you on the Hall of Fame notion from the great Brandon Belt. He'll be in the Tim and Rich Hall of Fame. I don't think he'll be in Cooperstown. <laughs> so he'll be in the Fort well, Francis uh, Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, you know, Rich, it is all about us, okay? So we're allowed <laughs> that luxury, aren't we? Uh, out in the outfield, Tim, there's a few more uh, pickups that are there, so I'm going to throw out four names this time. You let me know if any of these things interest you or maybe some other guys that you feel like are doing well that might be available in deeper leagues. We have Andre Ethier, uh, Sam Fold, Chris Dickerson, Peter Borjo. Any of those guys grab you, Tim? Yeah, I, I think you're looking at a platoon situation uh, with that. You're easier, but... I, there's some potential there. You know, Sammy Fold, uh, you can't take away his cape. He'll always have the cape. He's actually been playing pretty good for Minnesota. And same with Dickerson. Uh, Borgios doesn't interest me at all, but his partner, John Jay, has been playing fairly well lately. I think he's stolen a couple bases. Uh, Mike Sosha, uh, Micro Mike, is in love with Efren Navarro, and he's actually hitting. So, you know, you could look at, uh, you could look at Navarro because he's going to get at bats. And here's a sneaky little pick for, I figure, mid-August, maybe the third week of August. And if you want to get the jump on your league mates, Avisail Garcia is way ahead of schedule. And oh. right now they're anticipating he will be back this year, the beginning of September at the latest. So my thoughts would be, if you want to get a jump on your league mates, stash away Avisail Garcia. He could surprise down the last three, four weeks of the season. I did not hear that, Tim. That's that's a great get right there. Chris Coglin also available in the outfield, Tim, because uh, he's definitely an outfielder. So you throw Chris right. Coglin into the mix there as well. That's great news about uh, Avisal Garcia. Never been a, a huge fan, Tim, I have to tell you, but uh, that might be something that nobody else is talking about except on this podcast. So uh, might be uh, somebody you want to go grab here in the next week or so. Well, you know, I, I, I think the, the skills are there. He's going to have to obviously knock, knock off the rust uh, down on the farm for a week or two. But he, he, brings, he brings some skills to the table. And definitely, uh, based on what I've heard, uh, if you can get three, four weeks out of Garcia, it could work out rather well for you. Yeah, except he can't hit, Tim. That's, that's my problem. He's got skills, but I'm not sure he, he's going to hit enough to get to those uh, secondary skills. But that's just me. 
Let's move to shortstop, Tim. We've got Hechevaria that's out there, Zach Cozart, you know, Escobar, Didi Gregoria. So you've got uh, some fine uh, prospects there for your shortstop position if you're playing in one of our house leagues, which, again, fairly representative of deeper leagues all over the place because we play with very, very good players. Any of those guys grab you, Tim? Well, not especially. The guy right now that I would jump all over is Josh Rutledge. Yes, that's a good catch, uh, catch, Tim. I've actually picked him up a couple of places. He's another player that I don't like very much at all, but these guys they've listed out here have no upside. No, you, what you see is what you got. You know, Rutledge, uh, the past week, 12 for 30, 32 with one homer, nine RBIs filling in for Tulo. Uh, as far as Tulo is concerned, I'm not sure his if they've announced any sort of a return date. But until Tulo gets back, you can count on Rutledge is going to play full-time every day, and he's off to a great start. Uh, looking very quickly at our hot players, Tim, to see if there's anybody in there. Uh, Arizmendi Alcantara, Tim, uh, 38 at-bats, two home runs, four stolen bases, only batting 238, though, in two weeks. We nailed Alcantara. Yes, uh, he's going to steal. He's going to hit for some power. Uh, there's going to be ups and downs. Past three games, he's two for 12, not really anything counting. But are are the Cubs going to demote him? I don't think so. Uh, I think he's going to go through stretches where he's going to look all world, and he's going to go through stretches where he's going to look like a double-A, triple-A player. And over the course and the the duration of the season, I think he's going to provide value. Chris Coughlin is also on the list, and we talked enough about him. It's probably more the, more uh, airtime than Chris Coughlin's ever gotten in his entire uh, life on this show. Will Venable, Tim, this is somebody only 9% owned in CBS leagues. Tim, 27 at-bats over the last two weeks, a home run, three stolen bat- bases. He's batting 404. This is a guy that's had horrendous year. Tim, it can only get better. I, I think Will Venable is a guy that – a smart fantasy owner might go pick up because it's got to be better the rest of the the year here. Yeah, I agree. I I like Venable right now, and he's going to cost you right now uh, probably a dollar. (laughs) If that. If If you can do zero bid. Yeah, if you're going to spend a buck, you might as well spend it on a buck uh, where a guy could potentially hit some home runs, steal some bases. Uh, I'm all over Venable. I also like uh, Kevin Carmeyer in uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, Kiermaier is, is a guy that uh, I, I own in a couple of leagues, a couple of deeper leagues, and I've been very, very happy with 22 at-bats, two stolen bases, batting 363. The full season, that's the last two weeks, full season, eight home runs, only three stolen bases, but he's batting 305. And I think this guy is more, I don't think he's a fantasy star, but this guy's a nice little player. Well, yeah, when you're playing in leagues, they require five outfielders and dealing with the number of injuries we've had to deal with this year. You plug him in as your fifth outfielder, and I think you should be very, very happy with that, uh, Rich. The other guy I wanted to talk briefly, if we could, is Clay Buckles. Yeah, he's down on the list, too, as well, Tim. He is owned in 71% of leagues, but he was awful. Awful. He goes to the DL with some kind of injury. I'm not even sure what it was. It probably wasn't anything. He's come back, Tim, over the last two weeks, 21 innings, 16 strikeouts, four walks, 342 ERA, 109 whip. Is this the Clay Buckholz, or was it the Clay Buckholz from the beginning of the season for the rest of the season? Who is Clay Buckholz? Well, you know, when you, when you look at that 21 innings pitched, included in that 21 innings – was one complete game gem against the Astros in which he struck out 12. Now, if you take the Houston game back out of there, 
The other two games, he allowed four earned runs each game, uh, pitching against KC and Toronto. Six of his past nine starts, he's had four-plus earned runs in each start. Uh, I'm, I'm not buying into Clay Buckholz at all. I think, it, you know, other than the one gem against Houston, and let's face it, Houston are free swingers, and, uh, you know, if you can't mass, amass strikeouts pitching against Houston, uh, you got problems. Uh, you know, I... So uh, I'm just a, a little bit cautious with Buchholz because I, I think that one start has masked basically his average play thus far, and I'm not anticipating big things moving forward. I'm staying away from him. Brilliant analysis, Tim. I don't have anything to add except uh, I'm assuming Jose Altuve was out that game because obviously they would have scored a couple of runs if he was in. Well, hey, you know, when, when you look at the 12Ks, I'm sure when you toss Singleton and Springer into the mix, there's seven right off the hop, right? Absolutely. Tim, i got to tell you, the Houston Astros, we talk a lot about them, and we talked at length about the whole Brady-Aiken thing yes, last week with, Jake, uh, with, um, with Luno and, and what's happening there. And Jeff Luno was on uh, today on the radio, nice long interview. Tim, I, I think he's in big trouble, man. I really do. This is a team that ain't getting any better. They're, they're free swingers, like you say, and they've had a terrible, terrible minor league season this year. Mark Appel has been terrible. Jonathan Singleton hasn't done anything yet on, in the big leagues. Uh, and, and, I mean, Springer's hurt. I mean, it's literally Jose Altivi. If you take him out, that is an absolutely brutal major league team still. And I don't really see a whole lot of help here next year. Well, tell me something. How did how did Appel get promoted to Double A? Did you see his numbers? Well, everybody saw his numbers prior to that. Is this some sort of a move to try and save somebody's job? So, so Jeff Luno brought that up during the interview today, and essentially said that the plan all along with Mark Appel was for him to suspend a few games in Lancaster, which I've been there many, many times. It's a tough place to pitch. It's in the Mojave Desert. The balls fly out. And he pitched very, very poorly there. He did start off with an appendectomy at the beginning of the season, so you have to say, tough way to get started. He then got demoted a couple of times back to the complex league to work on things. He had a a problem, I think, in his elbow or his wrist. I think it was his wrist. He needed a cortisone shot. So they were basically saying he was injured. He had one decent start on, on Friday and said, okay, we've seen enough. His velocity was 95. He scraped 97 a couple of times. Both of his uh, off-speed pitches were working. He's promoted. And then there was an article that came out this morning that people in the Houston Astros um, dugout were pissed that guys like Josh Hader were pitching much better than him. Even Vincent Valaquez was pitching much better, even though he's injured. And those guys got passed over for the golden one to get uh, promoted. And there was apparently a lot of people off the record in this interview, you can go out and Google it, who were really ticked off what the Houston Astros were doing. So, Tim, it's not good anywhere. Well, you know, it it seems like right now they've pissed off half the players in their own organization – Half of the players are trying to get into the organization. Most of the fans of Major League Baseball and probably the MLB, uh, you know, the powers to be themselves with the handling of the draft. Is there anybody that the Astros hasn't, haven't pissed off in the past three weeks? 
Jose Altuve. He just smiles. He's just happy. He's happy to have a job. And this is, I mean, Jose Altuve is just a great guy. He smiles and he's the leader of that team and he's having a blast. Everybody else, Tim, I, I'm not sure. I think that's, they got big, big problems there. And I don't see this team getting better for a while. And uh, this Mark Capel thing is just yet the latest in. Like, what the F are you doing? You can't do You, you at least got to have some guy organizationally prove that he needs a promotion. I mean, it's not fair. Well, what does it do to the other guys that have been working their tails off, that have put in 100 innings at that level and pitched well? What does it do to their, to their psyche? Like, you can understand why people are ticked off in the organization. Hey, if I just came off a season where I, where I, was, I was pitching at, uh, at high A and I had gotten in, you know, 20 games thus far, pitched well, and I'm passed over for a Pell, hey, I'd be ticked too. I, it, it's a bad precedent, Tim, and it goes back to high school when the prom queen gets all the gets all the boys, she gets all the uh, passes and everything, and uh, you know the, the the nerds never get anything, and ultimately they run the world. But uh, that's what happens in life, and it's not fair. And uh, I'll be up, I will be up in Lancaster for a week series on starting on August 11th. So I'll get a press pass, and hopefully I'll be able to interview Josh Hader and those guys to find out how they probably won't tell me. But uh, I'll, I'll ask at least, like, how do you guys feel about Mark Capel getting promoted and you're still here? <laughs> so let's see what they my, say. <laughs> my guess is you will catch a sly, slight smile and a no comment. How's that? I'm sure. Timmy, let's get the two-star pitchers and wrap this puppy up. Nate Avaldi started 24% of the time with Miami. Usually I don't put guys who are started this much in CBS leagues. But, Tim, he has been very, very difficult over the last month. A 6.39 ERA, a 4-1 to strikeout excuse me, a 4.1 strikeout per nine. He is home against Washington and Jordan Zimmerman, a tough matchup, and home against Cincinnati and Homer Bailey, probably a pretty good matchup. Your thoughts on Nate Evaldi? Until we see a good start out of Evaldi, I, I think he's got to be on your bench. So uh, I, I know it's a two-star week and you hate losing them, but he has just been so absolutely horrid the past month. You, you, don't, want to, you, don't, want to take the, you don't want to take the chance, or at least I wouldn't, so I'd sit him. That's why I put him out there, Tim. I'm not going to take a chance either. Chase Anderson, Tim, he, we, he's been on this two-start week a couple of times. We've been wrong on him every time because we said sit the guy. And he he's, continues to pitch better than I think. He's not that great of a pitcher, Tim. At Cincinnati with Homer Bailey and home against Pittsburgh and Vance Worley, 60 innings pitched, a 3.5 ERA, a 7.8 strikeout per nine, a 3.3 walk per nine, and a 41% ground ball rate. That's an okay pitcher. Tim, do you start him? Well, you know what? I've been saying sit, 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 and been wrong. So I'm going to say start him this week, but be wary of the fact that I've been consistently wrong. So you're probably best off to sit him, even though I'm going to start him. How's that? I am doubling down with the great Tim McLeod. I'm saying stardom, so everybody take that with a grain of salt because I think Chase Anderson is a little toxic. He is not this good. Trevor Cahill is a sit. Tim, I don't even think we need to talk about who he's pitching against, correct? Uh, correct. <laughs> uh, Wada out in Chicago Cubs finally is getting his chance, Tim. It's home against Colorado and to be announced. And at Los Angeles and Hunjin Ru, Tim, your buddy Wada. Oh, you know what? Uh, I, I think he throws a, a lot of fat pitches, so I'm going to pass. <laughs> well played, Tom. That was very, very good. 
Thank you. Thank you. The last guy is Brad Peacock with the aforementioned Houston Astros, home against Oakland Athletics and Jesse Chavez, and home against the Toronto Blue Jays and R.A. Dickey, the beleaguered Toronto Blue Jays. This year, 87 and two-thirds innings, 77 strikeouts, the 48 walks. So he is walking a ton of guys, and ERA sits at almost five. Tim, he says never developed yet. Your thoughts on Brad Peacock? Uh, you gotta, you gotta sit them. It doesn't matter who Oakland puts out there on the field; they're t- they're tearing the cover off the ball. And uh, I think if you throw Peacock out there, Oakland's going to demolish them, and Toronto will finish off the job. Even with their beleaguered offense, uh, they'll score enough runs against Brad Peacock. Tim, this has been an awesome show. We were a little all over the place, uh, a lot of trade talks and their fantasy implications, uh, hot pickups to, to do, talked a little St. Louis Cardinals, of course, two-star pitchers, and had a lot of fun there with guessing the player. Great show. Well, thanks, Rich. I had a lot, I had a lot of fun. I, I'm really finding, you know, I, I thought I was going to miss doing, doing my waiver wire, and to some extent I do because I, I love I the opportunity to put – you know, toss names out there and share my thoughts with the with the readers. But you know, with uh, that uh, segment that you put in there, I got to toss a few names out there. So I, I'm sort of finding that uh, I have a little bit more energy on Sunday evenings, and you know, that's sleeping in on Sunday. I'm actually starting to like it a little bit. Uh, Tim, we we miss your waiver wire article. I don't even go out to Roto Rob and read it anymore. I know I should, but uh, it doesn't have the great Tim McLeod. I don't think I'm going to read it. Well, you know, I, I have to thank you, Rich, because over the years, you have you've always been behind me on that, uh, you know, on, on the stuff that I've worked on, my written work, and you've always supported it in a rather big way, and from the bottom of my heart, I, it's truly appreciated. Thank you. You're very welcome, Tim. I've got a lot of stuff going on this week. I am out with the uh, Toronto, it's Toronto, the Trenton Thunder uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. So if you want to come out and watch a game with me, just uh, fire me off at uh, Twitter and we can go watch a game together. I'll tell you where I'm sitting at least. You can come down and quiz me uh, all game long. So I'm seeing uh, the uh, Minnesota Twins double-A team, Tim, and I was hoping Byron Buxton would get uh, promoted, but he didn't. But uh, they got the uh, Rosario is out there, so there, there should be a, a number of really nice prospects with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, from what I've, uh, from what I've read, uh, Rosario's really, really picking up the pace uh, in a nice way coming off that suspension. Uh, he's looking like a good little player. Yeah, he is. Eddie Rosario, a nice little player, and uh, I'll let you know, Tim, uh, next week what I thought of him. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm in the city a couple of days this week, so work, work, real work-related stuff. And Tim, I continue to to look for a retirement house and a summer home and blah blah blah. My wife and I are in deep concentration on that. So, well, did you uh, toss my idea of Duluth uh, to Lori, uh, Rich, by any chance? No, it was re- it was flatly rejected, Tim. It was uh, we are tired of ice and snow, so we're going to go somewhere warm for sure. She actually had Asheville, North Carolina, on the, the list. I said I think it snows a lot there because it's in the mountains of North. It's beautiful. It's in the mountains mm. of North Carolina, so that was right. quickly deleted off of Zillow.com in terms of save searches. Zap, that <laughs> one went away. <laughs> so a lot of our- right smartly, huh? 
a lot of our listeners uh, came and, and gave me a lot of nice places in uh, in Florida. Our good friend Stu Gutter, who had a nice little conversation with Stu, and he actually asked my advice about a business venture, Tim. That was kind of fun, uh, talking yeah. balloons. So I had no idea what I was talking about, but uh, hopefully uh, we uh, we were able to have a nice little conversation. He gave me some places in Florida to check out, and some other listeners. One guy gave me Lakewood, uh, uh, Florida to take a look at, so we're... We're looking at everything. Tim got a couple of years to figure out what we want to do. Yeah, no, that's excellent. No, Stu's Stu's a great guy. I just hope that business venture doesn't uh, blow up in his face. Do you, have you heard about it? No, no, that was just my lame effort at humor with the balloon. Yes, it story. is balloon. So, so once he gets his uh, new venture up and operational, we'll make sure we give the great Stu Gutter a, a plug on that because he he's been a good friend to us and uh, just a really cool dude. Timmy, that is it, buddy. I will see you next weekend. You certainly will. Uh, we're heading into a long weekend next weekend, so I'll have Monday off. So, hey, we we can go even like 20 minutes over if you want, Rich. What do you mean a long weekend? What, what are you doing? What, what's happening next weekend? Well, it's our civic holiday. First Monday in August is a stat holiday for all of us Canadians. What do you mean a civic holiday? What, what, do you, what are you supposed to do on that civic holiday? Like, was that Canadian Pride Day or something? What, what is that? Well, basically, it's uh, just a stat holiday where everybody sits around barbecuing and doing as little as possible, and definitely, if if at all possible, not going anywhere near work. <laughs> okay, so just a national day off, kind of like our, well, I guess we're, come on, Tim, like every day that we get off, there's supposed to be some meaning for that, like Labor Day or Memorial mm-hmm. Day. I mean, so Civic Day, is is that like civic duty? Are you supposed to, like, do your civic duty that day? Well, no, I, I basically think it's because we get eight months of winter and it's a day off in the summer and we're taking it. Hands down, it's not even negotiable. Okay, maybe that's it. The anti-snow day. That's very funny, Tim. That's probably what it is there. Anyway, we will see you next week, Tim. I'm going to try to get a guest either next week or the following week uh, to break it up a little bit so you can spend more time in the interactive chat room and uh, we can mix it up a little bit. Maybe Perry. I've been trying to think about getting Marcus on for just a small segment. I know he doesn't want to come on because he's not knee-deep in fantasy anymore, but I think people would like to just know what the heck Marcus is up to. Maybe we can do an over-under kind of game with him or something like that, which will take minimum prep time well yeah you know we could we could talk all new york players like something close at home something like that but no it'd be great to have marcus back on uh, it 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 really would maybe maybe even uh the grady and con in between filming for next season's uh episodes of uh turn yeah i mean it's it's tough because both those guys are i mean they're big superstars now and you i feel bad like inviting them on our our little tiny show and like you know, and they're always like, "Well, I check my schedule, and it's it's always complicated." So I don't bug them a little bit, and then I then I worry that maybe they think I don't want them on the show, you know. So it's it's one of those type of things. But I love having Marcus on, and it'd be good to have him on for ten, fifteen minutes just to check in, and everybody can tell us how how important of a man he's become. Yeah, I was going to say uh, I was talking to him briefly yesterday, I believe, because I am co-running that NFBC team of his, and. Uh, had a few things to chat, and he, he sounded really good, really happy. He just said he's just really, really busy and looking forward to the fall when everything gets off, gets off the ground and running. All right, maybe maybe it's uh, maybe it's Marcus next week. So I want to reach out to him, see if we can get him on for mm. ten or fifteen minutes. And uh, he says he's not really paying attention to fantasy, so that just means Tim he's better. Instead of better being a better player than ninety nine percent of everybody, he's only a better player than ninety eight percent of everybody. So that's what that means. <laughs> exactly, Rich. Exactly. All right, Timmy, we'll see you next week, buddy. 
Yep, I have a good one. All right. You are the sun. You are the only one. My heart is blue. My heart is blue for you. Just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.